You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. There is uh, an old Jewish phrase. It's called, uh, it's Shavim Panim La Torah. And it means the 70 faces of the Torah. It means the Torah has 70 faces. And it's this idea that you could look at the same passage and every rabbi would have a different view. That you could have the same passage and, and everyone could take from it something that they've learned. And so when I was reading, it was saying that the, the passage, the Torah, God's word is like a work of art. And as you know, like with art, everyone has a different interpretation, different viewpoint that it speaks to them in a different way. This morning, we read through, Hannah read through Ruth chapter 3. And so we've been working through the book of Ruth, and now we've gotten to the third chapter. It's a chapter where there's this budding relationship between Boaz and Ruth, where you have Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, concocting this idea, and then we get to see the story come together. And so when we were looking at the story, we were talking as a creative team, and, and someone said, I see this in this chapter, and someone else said, I, I see this. And, and we realized that there's so many different views, there's 70 different faces of this story. And so we thought we'd try something different this morning, so if you'll go with us, uh, this morning we're going to have, as we look at this, this new couple, this new budding relationship of Boaz and Ruth, we thought what better than to have couples looking at this story. Couples sharing their view as a couple, maybe they're sharing their view as an individual. And so we wanted to do that, and so we thought we'd do that in a kind of different way. We got three different couples coming up here today. We got Chris and Courtney are going to start us off and, and present their, their view of this chapter and the story of Ruth. Then Elliot and Christy are going to come share, and then we're going to end with Sarah's going to come up here, and Sarah and I are going to dive into what we see. And so with that, I hope you guys enjoy. I hope we can dive into this and just see some, at least six, of these 70 different views of Ruth, chapter 3. All right. This is always hard for me because I don't have my safety blanket of a guitar, um, so I always get real nervous when it's just me and a microphone, but we're going to do our best. Um, Matt also had a great idea, and we want to express that each of us have different views by our cups, right? So on Sunday mornings, I'm nothing but water, all right? I can't eat until after service because I just got to have water. So that's my view. She's going to be a nice cup of tea. But um, here is my lovely wife, Courtney. She is going to take first glance at this because she's way smarter than I am. So I'm going to let her go first. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, when uh, Chris came home and said that we were going to do this um, for the service today, Chris and I started looking at it and thinking, okay, well, what's, you know, what do we see through this? And we see it through the lens of redemption. I mean, this whole series is called Restored, right? And redemption is one of my absolute favorite words ever. And um, the version that Hannah read said, I'm your protector. But in other versions, Boaz says, I'm the redeemer, kinsman redeemer. And so, um, yeah, we read it through the, through the lens of redemption. Redeem, it means to get back, to change for the better, to repair, to restore, or to free from what distresses or harms one. Um, I don't know if you know our background. Chris and I lived overseas for a while working with a refugee population, um, individuals who fled their country because of state-sanctioned genocide and showed up in a new country in which they were ostracized. They were the others. They were the strangers. They were the ones that were begging. And I can't help but see Ruth um, through that lens as well because Ruth was an other. 
right? She was not an Israelite. She wasn't from that community. You had the Israelites, God's people, and then everybody else. And she was a Moabite, which is even worse <laughs> because the Moabites did not show hospitality to the people of God, so much so that in Deuteronomy, Moses says that God said, no Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord up to 10 generations because they did not meet you with bread and water. That's harsh, <laughs> right? Um, that's, that's a harsh community to walk into if you are from that people group. And she did. And she came asking for bread, right? Because she's the one that's She's gathering the grain from the, from the outside, right, after the reapers have done that. And in Levitical law, you're supposed to leave that. Those are for the beggars. Those are for those that are impoverished. So you have a Moabite beggar who's also a widow, a childless widow, which the Jews would have looked at it being like, God didn't see fit to give her a child and took her husband away. She has all of these things going against her. And yet Boaz says, I'm the redeemer. I'm going to extend this invitation to you to belong. And I can't help but think that the reason, I'm taking up all this time, it's fine. Um, I can't help but think that the reason Boaz did this is because of who he was. Boaz was Rahab's son. And if you're thinking through Rahab, I know that name. It's because anytime she's mentioned in scripture, she's Rahab the prostitute. As a job, I work with women coming out of prostitution because of sex trafficking. And I can tell you, the shame and the stigma that comes from that, even when you, it wasn't your choice to do that, there is shame and there is stigma. And yet God invited Rahab in because she saved the, the Jewish spies in Jericho. She, she came in, her son was invited in, and then he, by extension, invited Ruth in. And not just into the community, not just into the Israelites, you read in Matthew and in Luke, they're grafted into the ancestry of Jesus. God could have chosen anybody, and he chose Rahab and Ruth, a prostitute and a Moabite, to be a part of his ancestry. And if you're feeling like an outsider, I want you to read through Ruth chapter 3 as just remembering that it doesn't matter who you are or who your family is or what you've done. You have a place in the family of God. You belong. You are loved. You are worth loving. Jesus has extended this invitation for redemption, for full healing, to be made whole, to be made better than you were before. You have a place in the global church as well as this little community here at Discovery. You belong. You have the invitation to be redeemed fully and wholly. How do I follow that? Good gracious. Um, I love that. I love that. Everyone is welcomed in to the kingdom. Um, in Colossians 1, verse 13 and 14, it says, He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Um, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, give the ending away, the climax of the story, but Jesus is our redeemer just as Boaz was to Ruth. Um, but now I want to challenge you. So she set it up. She's just blown the top, top off of it. Um, I'm going to come in and say, we are now insiders. 
we have the love of God. We have the hope of the future, the redemption, the forgiveness of sins that was promised to us. Who's outside of these walls that we're treating like Moabites because we think they don't deserve it? What people groups can you imagine in your mind that have been stigmatized either by the media or by the church? We see in the Bible, Deuteronomy 23, that Moabites are not welcome into the assembly, and yet here we are just a few books later, the Moabite is welcomed into the lineage of Jesus. I want that to be a challenge to you this morning. Let's, let's leave our discrimination and our bias and all that ugly stuff at the door and welcome everyone in with open arms because Jesus did. Jesus held nothing back. He died for all. And so if they walk through those doors, they're welcome. If we meet them in the street, they're welcome. They're a part of our family. They're a part of the church and the redemption that Jesus Christ has given us. I'm popping back in here. Sorry. And, <laughs> and when you're in, you're in. You're not only halfway in, right? Redemption means whole. It means full. It doesn't mean just a quarter of the way or a little bit of the way. So if somebody has entered into the family of God, they are in. They're not halfway in, okay? Even if they're just babies still in the family of God. And so, yes, like Chris was saying, like we challenge you to, if someone comes in and you're like, well, are they really in? Are they? They are because Jesus has done that. Absolutely. And with that, we are going to pass it off to Elliot and Christy, who are going to show us another face of the scripture. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm glad I get to be up here with Christy, because uh, I, if you, you don't realize it, but if I'm up here preaching, you've already heard Christy because I'll typically go through like my sermon, I'll talk it through some with her, and she'll be like, oh, and that's like this. And that's usually the best points of my sermon. So you've already heard from her, whether you realize it or not. I'm glad today uh, she can just be up here and you can hear it straight from her. Um, but also I'm glad she's up here because I have a bit of a confession to make before we start. Um, and that is that uh, I've always kind of looked at the book of Ruth as a girl's book of the Bible. Um, and this aggravates Christy. I said this to her one time and she jumped all over me. For it. So uh, why, does that, why is that a bad perspective of the book of Ruth? Well, I, I think what you mean is that the book of Ruth, <laughs> I don't think you, I think you're saying it's a girl's book, but. There's no murders. There's no <laughs> war. There's death. There's death. There's death. Um, just not enough, apparently. Um, so, <laughs> but. I mean, the book of Ruth is a very, it's romantic, and that's maybe not Elliot's favorite genre of uh, story, is to, for it to be romantic, um, and it is, and, and the truth is, we have to look at the book of Ruth and see that there is a little bit of a fairy tale quality to it. There's lots of books of the Bible that are very straightforward and give you sort of facts, and um, sometimes, like, gives you too much, and you're like, I could have left that part out. I didn't really need to know about that. Um, and we don't get any of that. Like, we don't get any of, like, Boaz's quirks, which he probably had. Um, we don't get any of Ruth's, um, you know, little, like, strange things that she does. Or, like, you know, she's from a different culture. Who knows, like, what kind of things would be different about her. We don't get any of that. But it, it's almost like a fairy tale um, where we have this girl. She is... Um, 
struck with this tragedy of losing her husband. Her mother has lost her her mother-in-law has lost, lost her husband. Like all this terribleness, tragic things happen. Like often in fairy tales, there's some kind of dark. Right. Like every Disney movie, every Disney fairy tale starts yeah. out with the death of parents. So like we have a little bit of that here at the beginning of yeah. Ruth. Yeah. Like even Finding Nemo, you're like the first part. You're like, let's just fast forward. Yeah. This is terrible. So anyway, um, this this tragedy happens, and then they go back to. Uh, to Bethlehem, and here's Boaz, so girl meets boy, and they fall in love, and they get married, and they have a kid, and they live happily ever after, and um, I, so, I mean, I think there's a, a purpose here. I think the author of this book and God through them is trying to say, this tells you something about me, um, about God, and... Which, yeah, which is something that you brought out. We were talking about this last night, and like Chrissy just sort of asked the question as she started out. She's like, why is this book in the Bible? Which is like a great question that I'd never even thought to ask. Like it was just in the Bible. Like I don't ask those questions just there. Um, but that's a good point. Like why is this fairy tale in the middle of the Bible? So what is God trying to say to us through that? Um, and what can we get from it? And, and I think what we get from that, and like a lot of the Old Testament, like we have to, I mean, their lives are totally different than ours. We're under a new covenant because of Jesus. So we have to say, what is this trying to tell me about God's character, about who God is and who he has been for all of time? And I think what we see here, we see a lot of God's character in, through the character of Boaz, who is just our Prince Charming here. He does everything right, and he goes over and above um, for Ruth and for her family. Um, and I think that's because he is smitten with her, but also because he's a good man. He's a righteous man. And um, so we see... But Boaz here, he notices Ruth, he admires her character, he's heard about what she's done, um, he cares for her, he is generous and kind towards her, and he doesn't treat her badly because she's a foreigner. Um, and all of these things, I think, are a reflection to us of who God is and who he um, wants to be to his people. And it, it all comes to this one weird place of chapter three where Ruth like sneaks in to this barn at night where Boaz is and there's a lot to be read in with all that um, but you highlighted this verse here Ruth 3 9 um, and why don't you read that so Ruth um, comes and sleeps at his feet so that's weird but it's um, and she's <laughs> so when he wakes up he says who are you and she answered I am Ruth your servant spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer yeah, which Chris and Courtney talk about this concept of a redeemer, and we see just a little bit more in there. Um, this idea of spread your wings is kind of strange language, but usually Jewish men in that time, like we could go back to Leviticus and read about all that, but they would wear these prayer shawls, um, and they'd have these tassels at the end of their prayer shawls. And so Boaz is probably wearing one of those, and sometimes those would be referred to as wings. In fact, in the Bible, like if you have a KJV version, um, where it says wings in the ESV, what we're reading from, uh, the KJV says skirt, spread your skirt over me, which again is another picture of Boaz, like maybe not the skirt we're thinking of, but just spread your garment over me. And that word um, is kind of used throughout the Bible. It's in, in Malachi it's used, but then it's also in this other kind of a strange verse in Ezekiel that I think as we're asking the question, like why is this book of Ruth, this fairy tale in the Bible, uh, Ezekiel 16, 8 the prophet is describing this long story of basically like a child 
that's been abandoned. Like, it's almost a graphic story if you go into Ezekiel 16. Um, just a child that's unwanted, abandoned, and left, and then God comes along as this child has grown up and, and basically takes this child as a spouse. And so it says this, Ezekiel 16, 8, when I passed by you again and saw you, behold, you were at the age for love, and I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness, which is not like nakedness, get your minds out of the gutter, you know, not nakedness in the hot way, it's in the like, the abandoned, like vulnerable, like shameful way. And so God here is saying like, I've spread my garment over you. And those words right there that therefore um, I've spread my garment over you. And that same thing, garment there is the same language used in this verse in that barn of, you know, that spread your wing over me. It's the same thing that God says here. I've spread my garment over you for protection. So that's what Ruth is calling for. And then God ends that verse saying, I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord and you became mine, which Valentine's Day is Friday. Like, we can't get any more Valentine's than that. Like, God is talking to us as, you know, a lover talks to another lover. Like, become my spouse, enter a covenant with me. And all of that we see in this verse in Ezekiel, but then also in the story played out with Ruth and Boaz. Because Boaz, when she makes, I mean, she proposes to him, which even in our day and time is pretty bold. Um, but she, and she's very humble. She comes before him humbly, but confidently asking him to cover her, like to be her protection, to become her redeemer. And um, I think what a beautiful picture that is of God and, and in our relationship with Jesus that we can come before him the way Ruth comes to Boaz, like confident because of who he is, that he is a good redeemer, just as she was confident that Boaz would be because he had been so generous and kind to her up until this point. And so she comes to him and asks him for this thing, and he is perfect. He doesn't shame her. He makes sure nobody knows that she's come, and then he doesn't send her away empty-handed. He sends her home with a gift for, um, to give to Naomi, which is so like Jesus. Yeah, and, and then we are so like Ruth because she's really not bringing much to the table. Like, Boaz doesn't have a lot to gain from taking on Ruth as her redeemer, from taking her on as a wife. You know, she's not bringing money into this. She's a widow from a foreign land, which is a great analogy for us. We're not bringing a lot into our relationship with God, and yet God is still, to use Christie's word, God is still smitten with us. God still, for whatever reason, loves us and wants to bring us into his family and have a covenant with us. And it's easy to think that, like, God has some kind of obligation, but, well, he made us, so, like, he's got to fix us and get us back with him and stuff. But there's so much of a picture of love here, um, God's love for us and reaching out to us. And I guess I'll end it with this Isaiah yeah. verse. Okay, so there, um, here's a verse to wrap it up. Um, Isaiah 44:24 says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who made, excuse me, all things, who alone stretched out the heavens to spread out the earth by myself. All right, so that is some of the love and the fairy tale we see of Ruth, and we're going to pass that on now to Matt and Sarah. Thank you, guys. So I am definitely the Mountain Dew, uh, and so just any kind of soda, Coke, Dr. Pepper, anything with caffeine, I'm good to go on a Sunday morning. <laughs> so, and I have my coffee from the coffee shop. Amanda makes me a 
what is it, chocolate hazelnut. Tastes just like Nutella. Ooh. So, and I get to support Guatemala, the mission trip. Yeah, so. So go buy your coffee afterwards <laughs> and support the trip. Hey, so um, as, as we talked, you know, this is a, we feel like ministry is a team. And so some of you guys don't know, we actually moved to Tennessee. Um, so Sarah and I could attend seminary here. Uh, both of us were able to earn our master's. Um, and because uh, they need full-time student, their spouse could go for free. And Sarah uh, got her, her master's as well. Or I got mine with her. So, <laughs> Yeah, we have always seen um, from a young age ministry as a team. And so I went to seminary too so I could be the best pastor's wife I could be. So that was my goal all along. So here we go. So, so I so, get to be with you guys. So we've been talking a lot about uh, Ruth, and uh, Sarah has a misfortune or fortune, I don't know what it is, of hearing me talk about the sermons every week, and here's what we're thinking, and I don't know what I'm doing, and then she kind of guides me in the right direction. And so we've been talking about Ruth chapter 3, and something that really stood out to us was the character uh, of Ruth, of Boaz, of Naomi, uh, of what we can learn from that character. And as uh, Chris and Courtney talked about being redeemed, and what does that look like today in our response to Jesus' redemption is our, is our behavior, is our character, is who we are. And what that looks like in modern day, and we can see that in this chapter. Um, one of the things that we see in Boaz, he's a man of high character. When we're first introduced to him in chapter 2, it says that he was a man of standing. Um, that could mean uh, his wealth, but also you can see that he's respected. His workers respect him. Those people at the city gate will see in chapter 4 respect him. Naomi respects him. And so we see that his character, he's a man of godly character, which means he puts God first above his own desires. Yeah, um, as we were talking about Boaz, uh, Psalms 1, 1 through 4 really came to mind. Um, it's a passage, we take a Sabbath every Friday, and it's a passage that I say over Matt every week. And I did that in following of what the Hebrew women would say over their husbands. And it's this passage about blessed is the one. It's, what is it? Yeah, Psalms 1, 1 through 4. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. I like that I, I part. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when we look at that passage, and we were just thinking about Boaz, and, and he is that kind of man. And as we talk about what we want to strive to be, um, men, I challenge you, I challenge myself to be like that, to be as this man described in, in Psalms or to be as Boaz, that his delight is in the law of the Lord, that he wants to give the edge of his field because the scripture tells him to, that he wants to be a man of integrity, that this story in chapter 3, like if you were reading along with that or you were listening, like this could get a little kinky, all right? And, uh, but he decides not to do that, and he pursues God's plan. And so it's neat to see that this is a man of integrity, a man that is following God's plan and puts himself, his own desires, aside. Uh, as we, we look at Boaz, we see this man of integrity, and we also see some awesome stuff in the characteristic of Ruth. Yeah, we see great character in Ruth, too. Um, we see chapter 2, that Boaz had heard great things about her. And in chapter 3, we see that she's a woman of noble character. And that's the same statement that's made in Proverbs 31. 
when they talk about a woman of noble character. Um, she also trusts God in the hard times instead of complaining. Um, I, right now, we all tend to complain, and Ruth had every reason to. And instead of complaining, um, she just turned to God and to Naomi and have them help her. Sarah and I at home have been going through the book of Ephesians, and so we came across this verse as we've been kind of molding this all together with Ruth, and it's uh, from Ephesians 5. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be any hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse jokes, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. We were listening to it the other day in the message version, and I loved it. It said, we must have a dialect of thankfulness. Yeah. Isn't that kind of cool? I like that. And the dialect of thankfulness, I've thought in my own life. I'm like, what am I walking around and saying? And um, Henry, the other day, had to memorize a verse, and we memorized the words of the reckless, pierced like swords but the tongue of the wise bring healing. And I can just picture myself some days, maybe you guys don't do it, but I sure do, that I walk around the house and I'm like, and I'm just stabbing everybody with my words. And instead of my words being love and thankfulness, I'm just walking around angry at everybody and it's bringing death to them. And I really don't want to be like that. I want to be a life giver through my words. And I want to have that language of thankfulness, that dialect. And then... We get to Naomi. She's like the anti-Ruth, the anti-Boaz um, in this story. She still has a heart for God, and it's neat to see that, but she wants to take everything in her own hands. She's consistent at the very least. Um, we see that consistency in Naomi. Yeah. Um, she's, she went off with Elimelech in the beginning. They saw that there was a famine, and they acted upon it. They did not follow God, but they acted upon it. And now she's seen this budding relationship of Ruth and Boaz. And instead of waiting for God's timing and God's way, she's running around. She comes up with a plan that 3,000 years later, we're still going, you know, was this really the right plan? But, <laughs> um, yeah. And, and it's interesting when you see Naomi, she's Ruth's mentor, right? She's her spiritual mentor. And it's something that we, we were thinking as we were just looking at all this, and we thought, that's important to note, because this room is full of mentors. Whether you think it or not, people look to you on how you would behave, on how you follow God, whether that's people in your home or coworkers or uh, fellow students or just neighbors, that they see what you are, and you are are guiding them and mentoring them. There's a verse that uh, we have in the back, in this back hallway that Sarah actually painted for me, and it's something I look at every week before I come out here, and it says, 1 Peter 4.11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And I don't think that just involves being on a stage on Sunday morning. That involves how we speak in our home, uh, the advice we give at work, uh, what we tell our fellow students that, um, that if we are to speak, we got to be sure not just to give our opinion, but to give what God would say. Yeah. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, it tells us, The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And we really need to see through this that we are redeemed, but we also, our character, once we've come to Christ, 
um, really, really matters. And so are we speaking that language of thankfulness? Are we delighting in the law? Are we knowing God's law so that we can delight and live it? And as spiritual mentors, are we leading others to our ways or to God's ways? So as we close up chapter 3 of Ruth next week, we dive into 4, and uh, let me just tell you, you got to come back. I am so pumped for next week, right? Uh, we're going to talk about death and murder and all kinds of cool stuff. It's awesome. Uh, Ruth is going to, uh, Elliot's going to love Ruth after all. Um, and so uh, as we summarize chapter 3, just to come to the understanding that we are redeemed. And what does that look like? That looks like how we live. And that's our response as we've talked that this is Ruth's story and Boaz's story, but this is our story. And what is your story on how you're going to respond to what God has done for you? As we see Boaz follows the law, as we see these characteristics, what is the characteristics that we're going to take on? And so we're going to right now continue into this time of worship. I loved Elliot made the comment, this oasis of worship and this oasis of God's presence. And so as we close out the scripture and transition to a different kind of worship, from not just worshiping with our minds, but worship with our words, if you'll stand with us and we'll just close out this morning worshiping God. <laughs>